All right, well, let's get ready to get into the Word today. And uh, I have a, I am super, I don't know what is going on. I'm, I'm almost 60 years of age. I've been doing this a long time, and I feel nervous this morning. I don't know, but I'm just going to say this right out loud. You guys don't scare me. <laughs> I have to say that out loud. So anyway, I'm going to begin a new series today. And uh, the title of this series is Faith, Hope, Love. That's the title, Faith, Hope, and Love. And we're going to be spending a couple, well, three weeks on this series. And uh, somebody said, are you continuing the IF series? And I said, no, I'm not. And, uh, and, but if, if, if I were to continue with the IF series, I would, have, I would have probably done something along the lines of faith because I remember those words of Jesus when he said, if you believe, all things are possible to them that believe. So I would have, I would have start, I would have probably went there. But today we're going to be talking about that, and uh, I want to talk about faith, hope, and love. This obviously comes from one of those familiar passages in the Bible. First Corinthians thirteen thirteen says, "And now these three remain: faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love." Faith is believing God. It is trusting in God's promises. It is depending on God's faithfulness. Hope is expecting God. Expecting that God is going to be who he says he's going to be, that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. A person that has hope is a person that sees what they can't see. And believes, not just wishes, but believes that what they can't see is going to be. That's what hope is in the Bible. Love is to experience God. To experience God in such a way that he transforms us. We are transformed by the power of God's love. And not only do we embrace his love toward us, but we also know, because we experience his love, we know how to express his love to a hurting and loveless world around us. Amen. Faith, hope, and love are three essential ingredients in the Christian life, and I want to talk about that. And they're, they're, they're like a three-legged stool. I wanted you to, this is not an original thought with me, but think of a stool with three legs on it. If you take away one of those things, if you take away faith or love or hope, you don't have anything to sit on. You're, it's going to collapse. And some people might think, but Tim, doesn't the world say, uh, doesn't the Bible tell us that all you need is love? No, the Beatles said that. <laughs> we need faith, hope, and love. The Bible said these Three remain, faith, hope, and love. And these three together make up 
what is so important in our lives. And so I want to talk about that for the next couple of weeks. And I want to talk about faith. And today we're going to be talking about the power of faith. Everybody say the power of faith. The power of faith. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. This is the Apostle Paul. He writes and he says, So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be honored because of the way you live. And you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, amen. Isn't that a good word? So if you, Liz, if you'd go back to that verse 11, I just want you to see this again. Paul says, we're praying for you and we're asking God to enable you or to empower you to live a life worthy of his call. And I love this phrase. He says that, uh, that he's, he's, he said, I'm praying for you that he would give you the power to accomplish all the good things that your faith prompts you to do. So there's that power of faith. We want to talk about that today. So Lord, we invite you here right now to speak to us. God, I just pray that every one of us would get a sense of the call of faith in our life. God, that we are called to step out in faith. And Lord, I pray that you would raise up a people full of faith and that our faith filled. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says amen. Amen. Are you ready for the word? Okay, so let's get right into it. Now, just a moment ago, I mentioned one of the Beatles songs, All You Need Is Love. You remember another song that came out probably somewhere around that time frame was What the World Needs Now Is Love, Sweet Love. Remember that? So love is a very important part of who we are as Christians. God is love. And uh, so as a result of that, we also need to be people of love. But I would argue, too, that what the world needs now is not just love, sweet love. They need people who are filled with faith. People who really believe God and believe what God says and believe that God's promises are for us today, and who have faith and depend upon a God to make all these things happen in our lives and in our circumstances. And just like Caitlin was up here a few moments ago, just reminding us, you are not victims. You are more than conquerors through him who loves you. And that you need to live like it and act like it and walk like it and talk like it. And that requires faith, to be filled with faith, to believe in a God that you know is bigger than all of your problems and bigger than all of your shortcomings. And His promises are for you today. God is looking for people to believe Him and to walk by faith and to not walk by sight and not walk by your emotions and not walk in accordance to how well things are going in our society, but walk by faith and trust Him and believe Him. This is what God is looking for in us. Listen, 
Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And one of the things that make up your saltiness is your faith in God. Because we know that salt has preserving power. It preserves from death and decay and stench. It, it, it has a preserving effect on the world in which it is. And so when Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, he's saying, if you will live like I've called you to live, if you will be what I've called you to be, you will have a preserving effect on society. As bad as it looks and as bad as it smells right now, church, we're the salt of the earth. And instead of pointing our finger at the faithlessness and the godlessness of our society, maybe the salt needs to take a deep look within itself. Am I who he wants me to be? Am I doing what he wants me to do? Even Paul said this to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. He said, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. You know, the only way that you're disqualified is not is by not putting your trust and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But here Paul isn't really saying, this isn't an examination as to whether or not they are saved. He says, I want you to examine, are you in the faith? Are you really, hey listen, are you a Christian or not? Do you, are, you say you believe in God, so do you really believe Him? Do you really believe what God said? And if you do, why aren't you walking like it? Why aren't you talking like it? Why aren't you living like it? Why aren't you dealing with your problems and your circumstances accordingly if you're a child of God? Woo, come on now. There's power in faith, and God wants us to be a people of faith. Why is faith so important to God? Because God demands that we be people who live by faith who walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. That's how God wants us to live, by faith. God is looking for people to be filled with faith. He wants to respond to our faith. The Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder to them that diligently seek Him. God is looking to, he is attracted to people with great faith. He is attracted to your faith and your trust and your dependence upon him. This is why Paul said, we're praying for you, that God would empower you to accomplish all the good things that your faith prompts you to do. God, listen, people who believe God have power with God. Amen. Jesus came here to redeem us and to reconcile us and to restore us. But you know what? Jesus is no longer here, but you're here. Now, he is Lord, and he is in our heart by the Holy Spirit, but he wants us to carry on what he left behind. And the only way that we can operate in this is through faith. And so, 
what the Lord is promising is I'll supply the power if you live the faith. Amen. Come on, don't get quiet on me out there. God says, I'll supply the power if you'll step out in faith. Things can happen where people have faith. So I want to talk about what powerful faith looks like. Powerful faith is, first of all, a growing faith, a developing faith, a maturing faith, a faith that is being strengthened, getting stronger and stronger and deeper and deeper in the Lord. Paul referred to this to the Thessalonians again in the second book of Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 3. He says, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. The question we all have to ask ourselves is, is my faith in the Lord, my trust in God, my belief in the power of God, the greatness of God in my life and in my circumstance, is it growing? Is it deepening? Is it getting stronger? Because it's supposed to be. Amen. Faith is a gift from God. The Bible says that to every one of us, God has already given us a measure of faith. Everybody say measure. You know what that word measure is in the, in the Greek language? It's metron. The same word we get the word meter from. And it signifies something that is very small. It's very little. God has given us a little bit. He's put a little bit of faith in everybody. The reason why you believed on God wasn't because it was your idea. He put faith in your heart to believe on him. But the point is, is that he gives us a head start of faith. But that's not all the faith that we can possess and have in our lives. That he expects us. It's not that we're, we're not supposed to just live with the measure of faith. What are you doing with the measure of faith? Is it growing? Is it developing? Is it getting stronger in the Lord? Because that's the goal. That's the call of God in our life. He says, you are, your faith is growing exceedingly. Jesus even talked about the mustard seed. Remember that? He said, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, and it's very small. But notice what he used, a seed. All seeds start small. But great things grow out of seeds. Right? And so he's saying, you don't need, it's not about the uh, quantity of your faith, it's about the quality of your faith. But all faith that is sown in faith grows. And so the Lord wants our faith to grow. Jesus would even respond to people in his lifetime. He would say things like, where's your faith? O you of little faith. Or he says, I have never seen such great faith. What is Jesus highlighting? He's saying there's an element of our faith that needs to grow, to mature, to become stronger and stronger. Because if I don't grow in my faith, I'm not going to step out in faith. And the Lord says, I empower people who are prompted by faith, who have great faith, who are willing to go for it and not accept things as they are. Amen. 
And so, we need to grow in faith. If you want to grow in faith, why don't you ask God, God, increase my faith. That's what the disciples did one day. Jesus was telling them things their faith couldn't handle. And they cried out, they said, Lord, you got to increase our faith. We need, we can't, we can't accept what you're telling us with the faith level that we have. There was another time that a father with a demon-possessed boy brought him to Jesus and said, Lord, if, if you are willing and if, it's, if, if you can, heal my son of this demonic oppression. And Jesus said, if I can, no. It's not if I can, it's if you will believe. All things are possible to the person who believes. And so the father said, I do believe. This is, this is so me right now. I do believe, but oh God, help my unbelief. Come on, can I get a good amen? I'm not the only one that has that problem. Amen. So if you want more faith, why don't you ask for it? If you need more faith, why don't you ask God for a greater level and depth of faith in your life? James says the only reason we don't have, or some of the reasons why we don't have are because we don't even ask. But here's another way that you can develop and grow your faith. Spend copious amounts of time in God's Word. Spend lots and lots and lots of time in the Word of God. Wake up in your day. Spend every day reading God's Word. Come to church every Sunday. Come on now, can I get a good amen? Here's what Paul said. He said in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me give you the original language, the tense and the mood of that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. As you give yourself to the word of God, it increases your faith. This is so important in our lives because we're never going to grow deeper and become stronger in our faith as so long as we're pushing the Bible to the back burner of our, existence, of our walk with God. Amen. Listen, the more we're in the Word, the more the Word gets in us. But the problem with us today in our culture and in our society is that we read what we believe instead of believing what we read. And the way that our faith grows is that you don't read the Bible for what you want to get out of it. You read the Bible and let it tell you what you're supposed to get out of it. I was reading a statistic here not too long ago that in the culture today, people that are ages 15 to 25 spend 53.7 hours a week on screen time. Now, we can look at that generation and point our finger at them, but how much screen time versus scripture time does... You, do you get? Amen. Come on now. And here today we're going to spend all day long on screen time watching football. That, that thing goes on for hours. Amen. 
Powerful faith is a growing faith. Let me say this. A powerful faith, number two, is an obeying faith. It's a faith that obeys. Listen, do we really believe? I mean, think of this. Do I really believe God if I don't obey Him? Let that, let that question sink into your soul just for a moment. If you and I will not walk in obedience to the Lord, we cannot genuinely say we believe Him. James said that there were three kinds of faith. He highlighted three kinds of faith. First of all, he said there's a dead faith. Look at what he said in chapter 2, verse 17. He said, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is what? Dead. See, he says you can have an intellectual knowledge of God and belief in God but it's not practical in its obedience of God and he says that's dead faith then he talked about a demonic faith he goes on in chapter 2 verse 19 he says you believe there is one God you do well even the demons believe and tremble so you know what he's saying right there? He's saying, look, you say you believe God? You say God, you know, you, you believe that God is? Well, the demons believe that God is, and they shudder and shake at the reality of God. But here's the thing about demons. They don't want to do God's will, and in fact, they do the opposite of God's will. That's demonic faith. There are people that say they believe in God. They, don't not, they not only don't do what God says, but... Very often, we make choices directly opposite of what God says. Church, that's demonic kind of faith. Amen. Come on, smile at me out there. I'm not saying you're demon-possessed. I'm just, or of course not you. I'm just making a point. But then he also describes a dynamic faith. And the word dynamic isn't there. But what he does talk about is he gives... An example of two imperfect people who, who demonstrated dynamic faith. One of them was Abraham. When Abraham obeyed God and went to sacrifice his son because God told him to. And he was willing to do what God said even though it was going to hurt him to do it. Because he knew God was faithful to his promise. And that God had the power to raise him up if he had to go ahead and take his son's life. So he was willing to do what God said, to obey God, rather than go with what he felt. He was going to do what God said. There was another example that James gave. Her name was Rahab. She was a prostitute living in Jericho. And then when the children of Israel were going to come in and they were going to take over the land, she harbored the spies there and she took them. And she, at that moment, turned from her godless pagan society and turned her faith toward the God, his name was Yahweh, and trusted in him, and was willing to put her own life at risk in order to believe God. And she obeyed God, rather than going with the pressure of her society. See, faith that gets God's attention, the kind of faith that God empowers, is not only a growing faith, a maturing faith, 
growing deeper and growing stronger. But it's an obeying faith. A faith that says, I'm going to do what God says to do, even if it hurts. Even if I'm rejected by others because of it. Amen. Are you with me out there? This... So the power of faith is not only a growing faith, an obey, obeying faith, but it's a praying faith. Number three, it's a praying faith. Now listen, the act of prayer in and of itself is in some level a demonstration of faith. Whenever we commit ourselves to a prayer life, that is in and of itself saying, God, I don't, I, I can't, I'm not the answer to my life. I can't depend upon me, and I can't depend upon my government, and I can't depend upon my pastor, and I can't depend, I can't, but I'm looking to you, God. That's what, that's really the essence, that's the heart of a prayer life. But let me just say this it is possible that we can go through the routine of prayer without faith and be filled with doubt. James warns the Christians, he says, when you ask God, don't be wavering and wishy-washy in your prayers. He said, and this is James, this isn't me, he said that person should not think that they should get anything from the Lord. In other words, James says, when you pray, pray prayers full of faith. I wonder if we recorded our prayer life and we listened back to it, if we would be that impressed. I wonder if we would be that inspired. I wonder what God hears. I wonder what the Lord, does he really hear prayers full of faith? We need to strengthen our prayer life in the area of faith and pray with faith. Amen. Pray faith-building prayers. Jesus said it like this. This is the Lord. He says, you need to pray mountain-moving prayers. That's how I want you. When, I, when you go to prayer, Jesus said, pray it like this. Go in there fully expecting with the purpose and the intentionality that problems are getting out of my way. Things are going to start moving. Things are going to start shaking. Amen. Come on, are you with me out there? Let's look at what he says. Jesus said in Mark chapter 11. Jesus, well, let me, let me first of all, hang on. Uh, yeah, thank you. Let me set this up. So one day Jesus walks by a fig tree. You guys probably remember the story. And the fig tree had leaves. Now, in Israel, the way the fig tree operates is that it produces the fruit first, and then the leaves come. So when Jesus went over to the fig tree, he saw leaves from a distance, and he walked over to grab fruit off of it. And then Jesus noticed that there was no fruit. You know what Jesus did so loving, so kind? He said, I curse you. I curse you, tree. Because I came here for some fruit, and you didn't have it. You lied to me. 
And he cursed the tree and he went on into town. They came back later that day, went by the tree, it was still alive. Next morning they get up, they're going back into town. And the disciples said, whoa, Lord, look at this fig tree, the one that you cursed yesterday. It is dead, and I mean it is dead. The Bible said from the root up, there was not a green thing on it. It looked like a skeleton of a tree. And then Jesus, (laughs) without any explanation of the prophetic significance of cursing the tree and all of that, Jesus said these words, and this is what I want you to see. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you receive them, and you will have them. (laughs) That is exciting stuff right there. They're like, Lord, you cursed the tree, what's going on? And Jesus just kind of takes the whole issue, turns it on its ear and says, this is a lesson about faith and about praying with faith. And when he says, have faith in God, literally what he means is, have the faith of God. Come on, how many of you want the faith of God? That's really what that, when he says that, if you go back to that that first verse, he says, have faith in God, literally could be translated, have the faith of God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says, everybody say says, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he, what? Says will be done. He will have whatever he, what? Says. That's taking authority. That's praying with authority. That's not you know, kind of winding our way through our prayer life. That's not like, woe is me kind of. You know, I'm like David. Sometimes when I go into prayer, I'm like, God, where are you? God, I feel so, God, you know, but at at some point we got to turn and we got to shift gears and start praying like we believe that God is bigger than what I'm facing right now. And start praying For mountains to be moved. You know what Jesus also teaches us here? About the physical and the spiritual, the tree being cursed and it responding to him. Jesus is saying the physical circumstances of your life are greatly affected by the spiritual framework of your heart. Like how you pray affects things in your world, in your home your job, with your children. Listen, we got to start believing or acting like we believe this. This is what Jesus is calling us to. To be people who pray with faith. 
And you probably hear me yelling up here and talking like this and think, all my prayers are answered the way I think they should be. Well, they aren't. But I want to get better in the realm of praying with faith. Amen. Somebody asked, there was a guy, a pastor who, who uh, writ, has written many books. Called, one, one very famous one was called The Three Battlegrounds. And his name is Francis Frangipan. He pastored a church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And somebody asked him, they said, well, Francis, you know, you believe in the power of prayer, but they said, well, so what, what do you think happens if we don't pray? Because a lot of people have this very, if we don't pray, bad things are going to happen. You know, if I don't pray, if I don't pray just right, bad things are going to happen. And, and they asked him, they said, what happens if, if we don't pray? And he said, probably nothing. That's the point. Another great Christian that lived a long time ago, Jonathan Edwards, said, God does nothing except by prayer of his people. That's a pretty pungent statement. But the Lord has left us here to continue on with what he began. And he says, I want a people who have faith, growing faith, obedient faith, but like Jesus, a praying kind of faith who Jesus met with the Father every day. And he says, I don't do anything except I see the Father doing it and I hear the Father saying it. But to have that kind of faith that responds, that prays, that mountains can be moved. And Jesus is the one who said it. I didn't say it. It's hyperbolic maybe, but he's making a point. There is no insurmountable problem you face or in your world or in your life that can't be moved by people who take authority and pray with faith. Amen. Amen. And that brings me then to another thing about what powerful faith looks like. Powerful faith is a releasing faith. Number four, it's a releasing faith. Remember Jesus said in that last verse we talked about, he said three times, if you say this, if you say this, if you say this, right? So he says, these things will happen in accordance to what you say and how you pray. Well, what God does in the secret, he wants to reveal out in the open. What did he do? What he did, we do. Amen. You don't, you know, people say, my faith is my personal walk with God. Just, you know, it's just, just me. Oh, fooey. <laughs> and if it is, it's not supposed to be. Oh, my, you know, I just got my personal thing with the Lord. <laughs> Let's edit that out. That probably looks terrible. I'm sorry for those of you online. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, he who has faith in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
If you ask. Oh, there's another big if word. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So what Jesus is saying here, faith in me, whoever believes in me, shall do. And he's talking about a kind of faith that doesn't just harbor faith in God, but demonstrates the faith of God and releases its faith for the purposes of God. Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil and healing all manner of sickness. And that's what he's calling us to do, to go out and to release our faith in believing, looking at the brokenness of our society and ministering the power of God to it. That's releasing your faith. Not thinking, oh man, they need to get their act together. Why don't you release your faith over them? Maybe they'll get it together right there on the spot. Well, I need to get them to Tim. I need to get them to the church. No, you bring the church to them. Come on now. Release your faith. This is what we saw. And the the disciples heard these words of Jesus. And this is how they went out. Read the book of Acts. Read the book of Acts. You see them demonstrating what Jesus had just told them. One day Peter and John were on their way to the temple to pray. And they walked by the gate beautiful. There was a man begging alms. He reached out and was looking for silver or gold. And Peter stopped and they looked at him and they said, We don't have what you're begging for, but we have what you need. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And they took him by the hand and he stood up and he went leaping and running through the temple courts. And the crowd gathered and then they got mad and they got upset. Because when God moves, people don't like it sometimes. Amen. That's a whole other message in and of itself. But Peter, this is what, how Peter explained it. They said, this man is raised up from his crippled condition through faith in the name of Jesus. See, that's what God wants us to be living like and walking like through our gates and through our experiences of life. And as we encounter people, God wants us to have that kind of faith that looks at the situation and says, I don't, I'm not your answer. But I know somebody who is. Amen. I love that story where Peter was invited to go and they, he went to a funeral. Peter went to a funeral of a lady who had died. She was a great woman. And her name was Tabitha. And the church was really upset because this woman evidently seemingly maybe died prematurely and they were just very upset and they gathered they brought Peter into the room and they were just lamenting and just like telling all the great things and all we're we're really going to miss her and the Bible says that Peter Peter sent everybody out of the room he got down on his knees and it says he prayed and I don't know what he prayed but I kind of feel like if it was me it would be something like this oh God don't fail me now Oh God, you, Jesus, you did this, you walked into death and you raised it. I don't know what, I, I kind of feel like maybe that's what his prayer life was like right there. But the Bible said he prayed and then he looked at the woman and said in the name of Jesus, rise up. 
And she rose up. She was raised from the dead. Her name was Tabitha. Release your faith. Exercise your faith. You do that. Don't bring them to somebody else thinking they can do that. You do it. Well, what if I fail? Well, you're going to learn something. Amen. So release your faith. Another time the Apostle Paul was preaching. And there was a crippled man there. And Paul, in the middle of his message, could see in his face that he had faith to be healed. Paul stopped his sermon. Something I probably would never do. No, I'm teasing. Paul stopped his sermon. Said to the man, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he rose up and walked. He released his faith. You release your faith. That's what faith does. This is the kind of faith. Remember what we started out with? I'm praying, Paul says, for you that God would empower you, give you the power to accomplish whatever your faith prompts you to do. Amen. This is what God wants from us. A releasing kind of faith. And then I have one final thought. Powerful faith is a fighting faith. It's a fighting faith. Now what I'm talking about here is fighting for faith. Fighting in faith. Fighting with faith. This is not a fight for our rights. Or this is not a fight against human souls. But really this is a fight for human souls. Come on. We're not here to fight and fuss with a hurting, broken, dark world. We know what the condition is. We're like God's freedom fighters to bring liberty and freedom to a world that is broken and bound. And really what Paul says, dead in trespasses and sins. And under the canopy, if you will, of darkness by Satan himself. But we're God's freedom fighters. We're God's army. We're God's people. But he says this is a fight for faith. This is a fight of faith. This is a fight with faith. We need that kind of, if I, if I could say it this way, because I know in, in, in said the wrong way in the wrong circles, this could be taken wrong. But we need that kind of militant sensibility about us. Jesus said the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. So the way that we don't do this is just by trying to fight our way politically. We, we, we fight our way by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe where we can vote and you know, make a difference in all those aspects, those are all important aspects. But that's not where the real battle is won because that's not where the real battle is. Come on now. And so we need a kind of faith that has a fight in it. And why? Because we're in a battle. Jude says, Jude 3 says, Beloved, 
He said, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. He said, if I was, he said, I sat down, I was going to write you a letter, and I was just going to talk about our salvation in Christ. But then he said, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered for all, delivered to the saints. I love that. Jude was like, I, I wanted to talk about how saved we are and what salvation and our, you know, our security in the Lord, but I, I, no, no. People are jumping ship concerning the faith. People are being swept away by deception and delusion concerning the faith. And he said, I got stopped in my tracks and needed to write to you about faith, contending for it. Standing in it, staying with it. And I'll tell you right now, one of the things that is very necessary in the Western church especially, and I'll just go ahead because I'm a United States of America citizen, so I love this country. And I, and I, but I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, I don't want to say other people. I'm just going to own it for what we are, what I am. That we live in a culture right now where the enemy is out to destroy the faith. And there are people that are jumping ship concerning the faith through deception, through division, through distraction, by way of discouragement. We are in a major conflict and we're seeing actually who's in it to win it and who's not. We're in, a, we're in a battle right now. Paul, Paul refers to this. I want to show you this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will what? Depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. The numbers of people in our own nation that are dropping off, it's astounding. It's alarming. Paul says these things are going to happen. Some will depart from the faith. And part of the reason is the deception, the deceiving spirits coming in through all kinds of different channels of things we're watching, hearing, listening to. And it whittles away at our confidence, slowly. And if we don't stand our ground in faith, and believe what God said, and believe His promises, and trust Him that He is true to His promises, and depend upon Him, we will, or we possibly could be swept away in that number. And He says, I'm, I'm telling you, this is what's going on. This is what the apostle said. He goes on, he says in that same book, he says in chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, he says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have what? Strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, but you, O woman of God, let's say it that way too, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godless, godliness, and faith 
love and patience and gentleness. Fight the good fight. Lay hold on the eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Stay in it. Stay in the faith. Don't walk away from the Lord. Don't, don't trust in your own strength. Don't look to the world around you. Look to Him. Because there's all kinds of distractions and deceptions and delusional things out there. But you're not of that. You and I, that's not our story. Amen. Listen, church, we have to fight. And there's a lot of enemies to our faith. There's worry. Worry is an enemy of our faith. Fear is a, an enemy of our faith. Doubt and confusion is an enemy of our faith. But I want to talk, let me just say, let me just kind of settle on this one idea, discouragement. I don't think I've seen, I, I, I feel, I sense that in the church today, just a real overwhelming discouragement. I mean, we look around us and we see what's going on and we see kind of the flow of what it looks like it's going to become and where things are going and we get discouraged. We're like, you know, we, that lack of courage. I just want to remind us today, this is a battle. And it's not easy. And we got to stand in our faith. Stay in the place of faith. Amen. Can I get a good amen out there? Amen. Katie, would you come? Let's bring up, let me show you one more verse. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. <clears throat> Read this out loud and together with me. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Hey, can we read that one more time? And, and let's lift up just a little bit our voices. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Whew. Listen. Amen. Have you been born of God? Jesus said, no one will ever see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How am I born again? By putting your faith in Jesus, what he did on the cross for you. This world is so, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saved, I know I'm saved, but I, man, I can't, I got to get out of here. I can't take it, I just got to get to heaven. No, that's, I mean, it's great, we're going to go there, it's going to be wonderful, but no, that's not the way the Lord wants us to live. He wants us to know you've been born of God. You already overcame. How? By trusting in Him. By believing His promises. Depending on His faithfulness. And stepping out in that faith and saying, Okay, God, whatever you did, I can do. You want me to. You told me to. So I can do it. Amen. This is what it means to be the salt of the earth. Salt of the earth isn't just over there on the counter in the, you know, you know, in the little shaker. I'm salt. Well, that's great, but that's no good to me. 
It's no good to you. It's no good to the world. It's got to get out of the shaker. How's it get out of the shaker? Well, you need to shake up your faith. Come on. And say, okay. I see something. I, I can deal with this. I can take it on. Amen. This is what God wants for us today. Why do we need faith? Because mountains still need to be moved. Because the lost still need to be found. Because hurting, diseased, and broken people still need to be healed. Because families and marriages and families still need to be restored. Because our cities still need to encounter the living, loving Lord Jesus Christ. Because the church still needs to march on victorious until Jesus said, enough. That's why we need faith. Amen. So with what little faith you might have, like a little mustard seed, focus it in Him. Amen? Let's all stand together. Can I have the prayer team come and prepare to pray today if there's anything in your life, the Bible, and I want to say especially in the area of healing or just any kind of troubles or circumstance in your life, the Bible says that you should call if you're, if you're sick or if you're in trouble or you've got a problem in your life, call together the elders of the church. Have them pray for you and the prayer of faith will heal and the prayer of faith will set free. So if you're carrying a burden in your heart today, by all means, come forward. And we got some people here. I'll be here. And whoever else comes, we can, uh, we, we, we love the opportunity to pray for you today. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you, God, that you have called us to a faith life. And we thank you, Lord, that whether sometimes we have little faith, no faith, or great faith, you said if you would just take that little, if you'd take that little and put it to work, some great things can happen. So I pray, Lord, for every one of us that courage would rise up in our spirit. God, we were saved by faith. Help us to know that we live by faith now. If we were saved by it, now we're going to live by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Come for prayer if you need it.